Hey everybody, I'm Graham. I'm a marijuana addict. And uh thank you, Marianne, for uh giving me the opportunity to be of service. It was fantastic to meet you uh at the meeting. We actually met at the Friday meeting, which is called Weapons of Grass Destruction, uh in Watertown, Mass. My home group is the Thursday meeting in Cambridge, it's all, which is called Stop on the Roaches. So basically right. Um a little bit about me. My sobriety date is July 13th, 2010. I have a sponsor uh, who also has a sponsor. And um, I try to practice steps 10, 11, 12 to the best of my ability every day. I'm also currently working on steps 8 and 9. So I guess what I'll do is uh, share what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Sort of the basic outline for, for how a lot of folks how a lot of folks share. Um I mean I definitely qualify as a marijuana addict, that's for sure. If you've ever read twelve questions, certainly pretty much all of them apply to me. And uh what I can't imagine is someone who doesn't answer yes to all those questions in a lot of ways. It seems unfathomable to me, right? That that I wouldn't build my life around marijuana and, and all the other questions that it asks. Um, fortunately, at this point, those questions, I cannot any longer answer yes to them. So uh, at this point, the desire and the obsession around um, smoking marijuana has been relieved. And I directly attribute that to these meetings and working the steps with the sponsor. So yeah, I, I started smoking at a young age, um, probably about 16. And when I did it, you know, it was fantastic. Uh, it, it it definitely made me feel better. Uh, and so I, you know, basically tried to do it as much as I could. Um, one of the things that I, that sort of runs throughout my story is I'm, I, I'm very good at justifying my behavior to myself and or my diseases at least so what i would do is say well i'm getting good grades no one really notices etc cetera, etc cetera, uh as a way to justify my use um being a younger person uh, back in the 90s um pot was definitely still very illegal where i was and um you know, part of me relished in, in engaging in that illegal activity and getting away with it, driving around stoned all the time um, and, and breaking the law on a regular basis, really. Uh, I, I, I relished in that, uh, along with the external appearances and the fantasy of functionality. You know, that's a talk about a lot in, in the text in Life with Hope. Um, and part of the insidiousness of my disease was that I was able to maintain the fantasy of functionality for a very, very long time. Um, was able to keep external appearances, you know, up for for quite a while, while at the same time really being a slave to pot, and and on a very core level not liking myself. But in the beginning, it was fun and games. Uh, you know, it expanded my social circle. And well, eventually um, reduced my social circle because I didn't want to hang out with you if you weren't getting high. Uh, 
but initially expanded my social circle, you know, it made music seem better, uh, made nature seem better. You know, it generally heightened everything, at least for a while. Uh, and, and that's why I kept doing it. <laughs> I guess over time, um, you know, life went on and I didn't stop using. I guess I never really saw the need. I didn't see things getting, quote, bad externally, right? If everyone else was happy with with me and what I was doing, well, I guess that means that everything is fine was the logic I was using because, I don't know, I, I kind of always had this sense deep down of, of not feeling okay, not fitting in. Um, I find that's a, that's a common theme for a lot of folks uh, who, you know, struggle with addiction and, and pot addiction, particularly just that feeling of just not fitting in. Um, and, and pot was a perfect way to fit in. Pot was the solution for all of my problems in so many ways. You know, it, it, it allowed me to socialize. It made me feel better uh, and gave me something to do, <laughs> gave me something to focus on uh, and, you know, really occupied my time very much so when I when I felt like I, I didn't know what else to do. So in that respect, it, it definitely got worse, not better over time. I felt like I had to keep smoking. Um, and once I did start smoking, I, I really hardly ever could stop. That was uh, a big part of my disease. You know, when I would do it, I would just do it all day. I tried a lot of stuff, like it mentions in step one in the book, around, you know, like rationing it out and making it hard to get to and only trying to smoke other people's pot and I just ended up stealing it and, you know, a lot of things like that. And, and none of those things worked. Um, because of my, you know, fantasy of functionality where I was able to, you know, go to school, get a job, basically appear like I had my, my life together. Um, you know, I didn't notice the fact of of what was really going on. What that was that I was using this plant in order to get rid of the negative feelings that would brew up inside me on a regular basis. Um, but eventually, what happened was that that didn't happen anymore. You know, I started to have an adverse reaction essentially every time I smoked pot. I would have a panic attack or get really paranoid. Or it would only make me feel better for, you know, less than 30 seconds. Uh, and then I would be right back where I was. And the problem with that was that I didn't have any other tools to try to make myself feel better. Um, and so I was really dumbfounded. Um, and the fact that I was kind of able to get a lot of areas of my life, you know, quote, functional, um, well, that's one thing that was very confusing to me. My pot use was confusing to me towards the end because I was able to exert my will in many other areas of my life and be, quote, successful in, in many areas of my life. Yet in the area of not smoking pot, I was unable to succeed. Um, and the way I looked at that was that there's something wrong with me. I should be able to stop smoking pot. I'm just not trying hard enough or I'm not doing that right 
or I'm just a defective human being, you know, and eventually that's kind of where I got to with it until, you know, until I kind of reached my bottom. Um, so I kind of gave up on trying to stop smoking pot for a while and just was like, well, I'm just going to do this until I'm dead. And, um, you know, that wasn't a good place to be because it wasn't working anymore. In fact, it was making things worse. And, um, you know, more and more serious consequences were going to result. I guess what finally happened for me, it wasn't any specific, spectacular, you know, jackpot or anything as I talk about, but I just woke up one day and, and thought, you know, this is not how I pictured my life going. Um, you know, having smoked for 15 years and and waking up where I was, the, the, so the, somehow the dots were not connecting. You know, and if, if when I thought about it, I mean, in talking with, with professionals and stuff, I kind of realized that I did probably smoke too much pot. I just didn't want to, for a while, acknowledge the fact that uh, pot might actually be a problem and that maybe I should stop doing it. You know, I was trying to manipulate my thinking and my behavior in every single other way except for trying to um, or admitting the fact that I need to stop smoking pot. But when I woke up that morning, um, you know, it was, it was, I don't know, it was not my, my idea, you know, and to me, that was the first sort of conscious contact with my higher power. I didn't realize it at the time, but, but, but looking back on it, I feel like that's kind of what it was. So I had made an appointment with my therapist and at that moment I had complete willingness. I was ready to do, I was going to tell my therapist that I wanted to stop smoking pot. And what what do you want me to do? Um, and I was completely willing to do whatever he was going to say. You know, if he said, quit your job, move to China and do this, I was going to do it uh, or whatever he said. And um, when I did tell him that, what he said was not nearly as hard as, as moving to China, uh, thankfully. And the, the bottom line of it led me to finding, you know, Marijuana Anonymous. I did not know that it may existed. When I initially got sober, I found out about it when I was in um, an, an intensive outpatient program, which is uh, sort of like a group session where people in early sobriety come together and and basically talk about stuff and learn about sobriety and try to get through the early days. So in that program, I learned about MA and started coming to MA. Uh, at the time, there was only one meeting in the Boston area a week, so I was going to one meeting a week. I was staying sober, um, you know, part of me wanted to keep MA to the side, you know, I didn't want to be one of those people who looked happy all the time and looked like they had their act together and all of that, because those people existed at the meeting, you know, and they would talk about their marijuana use the same way that, that I talked about it or I thought about it, and yet they seemed to be in a very different place, uh, and, and, I wanted what they had, but I also didn't want what they had because part of me didn't want to do necessarily what they did at that time. So I went to meetings for a while uh, without really doing much other than that. And I honestly don't know how I stayed sober. You know, uh, something about going to a meeting every week would kind of reset my, my, my resilience, I guess, against not smoking pot. Uh, but that resilience is me, is my own willpower. And that, again, as I 
know time and time again is only so effective. Uh, there's going to come a point at some sometime down the road where my willpower is not going to be sufficient to keep me from smoking pot. I didn't express it like that, but that was definitely what the case was, you know. And so, so my recovery really is, you know, getting in some pain and then taking some different actions. So when I got into enough pain about needing to smoke pot, I took a different action, and that was going to meetings. Uh, and then after I was going to meetings for a while, you know, I got into some more pain um, and started to take a different action. So I got a sponsor. And I started just talking to my that sponsor on a regular basis. Um, did that for a while. You know, I hated talking on the phone. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was useful. Uh, but at some point, you know, my recovery is also about doing stuff that I necessarily don't want to do uh, because other people have ideas and experience with with getting better and. Um, thank goodness, because I don't have to figure it out on my own. And and all I have to do is maybe try something that someone else did that worked for them. So what I did was I called him a lot. I called him pretty much every day, I think, uh, just to kind of talk about my, you know, how I was doing. I don't think we even talked about, you know, the steps or sobriety or anything specifically for a while, but but I did. Um, and that was a very different action, you know. Um, did that for a while and then got into some more pain again. and. What happened at that point was um, I did the steps, you know, and I did them in a group format. It's called an AWOL. Um, it's not, you know, sanctioned, I guess, by by 12-step fellowships, but it's but it's a way of doing the steps that uh, was what was put in my life by my higher power at that time, you know. So I did the steps uh, in that group and had a spiritual awakening, you know, and a spiritual experience, and the the obsession to smoke marijuana was relieved. Um, those two things are the, are the promises of the program, you know, a spiritual awakening and, and, a removal of the obsession to smoke pot. So those things definitely happened for me. Um, so that was great. <laughs> uh, however, what I realized later was that I didn't understand how to maintain my spiritual awakening, um, as a result of doing the steps that first time. So I got some relief, learned a lot of things about myself, you know, and, and was doing things differently, but didn't necessarily know how to maintain my spiritual connection with a higher power. So I got into some more pain. And then um, what happened was I found a new sponsor, you know, and did the steps again. So so that, that was another, you know, taking a different action uh, in order to relieve my my pain because if I didn't do that, I was going to relapse at some point. You know, what happens for me is, is when I'm in pain, you know, I can either take action that is uh, focused towards recovery or focused basically heading towards relapse. You know, th those are those things do not exist uh, concurrently, basically, I think. So I can't be doing something that's that's bad for me and also something that is, you know, my higher powers will at the same time that it's just not possible. So there, there's always a choice. Um, so, yeah, w what I did there was, you know, do the steps again with my new sponsor, you know, did a lot more writing with my fourth step. And I learned how to pray every day. 
um, what this sponsor did. You know, I heard him talk in a meeting and he spoke in a language that like I didn't really, it was English, but I didn't really understand what he was talking about as far as his recovery and how he interacted with this higher power, right? I just heard him say, he just had a different way of speaking about recovery and I didn't understand it. I, was, I just said, what is that guy talking about? So I had to go up and talk to him. Um, and what they say is, you know, if someone has what you want, ask them how they got it and, and maybe take their advice. So he became my new sponsor because he had what I, what I wanted. He had this serenity and this way of talking about a higher power that, um, I didn't understand, but sounded pretty great. So, so I worked with him, uh, and, and his requirement for me was that I pray every day. And I, and I was never someone who was into praying on a regular basis. I didn't really think that I had a relationship with my higher power, like a relationship, you know. Um, even though I had done the steps before, I had periods of interaction with a higher power, I guess I would say, before that. Uh, but doing something every day, whether I wanted to or not, really helped to, you know, build something. Uh, relationship is hard because it's kind of a word that implies, um, you know, sentience, conscience, uh, people, uh, but I don't know if my higher power is a person, um, you know, but again, something's going on because I know that when I'm not doing the stuff that, that I learned with this sponsor, uh, things get much more difficult. You know, for, for me, my recovery is often experiential. I, I learn when doing something, what happens, and then I learn when not doing something, what happens. And I have a choice now, finally, because, again, when I was smoking pot, I didn't have choices. My choice was to get high. My choice was to avoid people, avoid any, you know, uh, responsibility for my own behavior, actions, or thoughts, and just get high instead, you know, so... I felt like I was making choices because I was getting high in lots of different places, uh, maybe in my room or my car or in the street or whatever, but I was still doing the same thing regardless of where I actually was. And I wasn't, uh, and I was stuck with, with where I was. So my life became very small, very boxed in, and um, and my choice was taken from me. My choice, especially my choice of smoking pot was taken from me. I realize I'm kind of bouncing all over the place here, but um, I didn't, I didn't prepare anything for this, for this meeting, but, um, yeah, so I would wake up in the morning or I would go to bed the night before and say, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. This is a problem and be genuine about it. You know, actually be genuinely have the desire to not smoke anymore, but then I would get up in the morning or I would make that resolution in the morning. And later that day I would be, I would be high again. And I didn't understand it, and it was confusing to me because I was doing something against my own will. Like, I had the will to not do it, but I still did it. And and to me, that's what addiction is, you know, wanting to not do something but not being able to, uh, When even though I was really trying. So that's what I turned against myself and really, you know, felt like I didn't have a lot of power because I didn't. I didn't have power, but didn't really know how to frame it until I got into recovery and saw you know, how people thought about this stuff. So anyway, back to prayer and, um, you know, what it's like now. What it's like now is, well, it's very different. And um, I, I bristle when people say my life is amazing, blah, blah, blah. I got this, I got that. Like, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't really know whether I have more or less than what I had before, but because material things don't really matter in a lot of ways, you know, if, if someone had asked me before I got sober, you know, to pick what would be my best life, what would be my, my ideal outcome of my life? Uh, it wouldn't be this, you know, that's for sure. Uh, but it also would probably have evol- involved mostly things, you know, because my ideas about like what my best potential were um, was limited because I didn't have a lot of ideas, you know, um, but with a higher power and with sort of opening up to other possibilities, the things that that happened in my life are now, there's, there are much more possibilities, much more options for things. And so my road, my, my, my life is taking many different roads, many forks and roads and many, you know, paths along the way that have led me to where I'm at now. So what the steps have given me is the ability to, to A, be open to those things, and B, be able to handle them to the best of my ability at that time. Um, because bad stuff happens, you know, whether I do something, whether I don't do something, whether I'm a good person, whether I'm a bad person, whatever, bad things happen, um, challenges happen, you know, just because I'm sober and I've been sober for a little while doesn't mean that nothing difficult happens, but, um, because it certainly still does, um, but I, I handle it and deal with it in a much different way than, than I ever would have before. Um, so a lot of it, it too is also awareness. You know, so doing the steps and, and, and writing a four step made me very aware of what my behavior is and, and, and what I do when I'm not relying on a higher power. And um and it wasn't a good place to be. You know, because I I well, as I said, I was living a closed off life and I also and and, and as a result I wasn't helping myself really or anybody else specifically. More importantly, I wasn't helping anybody else, you know. Um I was always a nice guy quote-unquote, and tried to help people out, but I did it because I wanted to manipulate how you felt about me. I didn't do it because I actually wanted to help you. I did it because I wanted you to like me, you know, and so my motives changed. I think motives are very important uh, because, and and if you had asked me anything about this before, I would have had no clue what, what anyone was talking about, but when my motives are turned towards me and what people think of me and, you know, all of those things, uh, even when I do the right thing or the good thing, it it doesn't make me feel better. And I, again, I was perplexed by that because I'm like, oh, I'm such a nice person. People like me, but why do I still hate myself? You know, um, because my motives were wrong and, and I didn't, I don't know how to reshift my motives without the steps. Uh, so again, having different motives makes the experience of doing the same things um, very different. You know, so if I help someone today, the experience is a lot different, and I actually do often get that satisfaction, like speaking at a meeting like this, like going to a meeting, like working with sponsees, or or uh, some any of the other ways that um, I try to be of service. You know, my life was very small before, and I was so wrapped up in my own BS and my own head. Um, I couldn't think my way out of it, you know, and I still wanted to. I couldn't act my way out of it either. 
but now, when I'm thinking about other people, it's impossible to think about myself and my own problems at the same time, and that really helps because, um, you know, my head isn't always the best place to be. My thoughts aren't always great. Uh, my mood always isn't always great, and also those things aren't necessarily my control. You know, what I think and how I feel isn't necessarily under my control. Um, but what I can control is how I react to those things. You know, before my reaction was to get high. That was it. I had one option. Uh, nowadays, I have many other options about how to handle thoughts, actions, um, or thoughts or feelings or things that happen to me. I have many more options. So, so it's just a very different experience going going day to day. Um, and again, I could never have done it without coming to MA and and continuing to come. You know, if I had stopped coming, uh, none of this probably would have happened. I can't guarantee that, but I'm guessing it wouldn't have. Um, and I still come because I want to give away what I was given. You know, when when people show up at a meeting. Uh, no one cares who someone is, what they do, whether they got high, whether they didn't get high. You know, it doesn't matter. We all have the same purpose of, um, you know, having the desire to stop smoking pot. And, and that's it, you know, which makes this fellowship so great. Um, so, yeah, things things are, are very different now than they used to be. Um, most notably in the fact that I don't have to try so damn hard to make things work out. Um, I learned that I'm a human being and that uh, that I do make mistakes, that I'm not perfect, uh, and that I now have, you know, the ability to kind of internalize that and, and maybe do things differently, um, but also realize that I don't have to necessarily be perfect, um, nor is it even possible. Uh, and I just have very different relationships with people than I ever used to. You know, the, the relationships I have with folks now are certainly much more real, much more honest, and much more um, connected than I ever was. I was never connected with people before because I didn't want people to know who I really was. Now a lot of people know who I really am, and uh, and I'm not nearly as afraid of it uh, as I used to be. You know, even though who I really am isn't very much different than who I was before when I was getting high, I didn't think that it was good enough, you know, and I didn't think that I was worthy of being liked or um, or having friends or, or any of those things or having good things happen to me. Um, so it's so nice that that has, has changed. Um, and the, the difficulties or challenges that I do have uh, seem to work themselves out some way as long as I try to actually not try very hard to fix it. You know, um, what I do do is other stuff, like pray, like talk about it, like meditate, uh, you know, if there's any self-will or whatever, or call my sponsor about it. Um, and then most of the time, you know, it works out the way it's going to work out. I wasn't okay with that before. I wasn't okay with things just kind of working out the way that they should because I didn't think that things should work out. I Sorry, let me turn that the other way. I thought things needed to happen in a certain way or else I wasn't going to be okay. Now I realize I'm going to be okay no matter what uh, and that I don't have to worry about how things work out. All I have to worry about is what I do. The input is in my control. The output is not, you know. And, um, you know, that's that's easier said than done and easier to apply sometimes versus others. But um, 
it also takes practice <laughs> to to get used to that um, and to do it every day uh, to the best of my ability. So, yeah, I think I'm about all talked out. Um, that is pretty much all I have to say. And and thank you all for being on the line. You know, uh, I wouldn't be able to do this if if you guys weren't here. Um, if you can't get to an MA meeting in your area, um, you know, keep doing the phone lines for sure. Um, I've gone to other 12-step fellowships before as well. Uh, it's a different flavor, I guess, depending on the meeting, but they can be certainly helpful. And um, if you want to start a meeting, MA can help you with that too. There's information on uh, marijuanaanonymous.org about how to start meetings. Um, you know, if you don't have a lot of time, that might not be recommended, but uh, there, there's certainly a lot of resources out there. So with that, I will share the time. Thank you.